Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for time now to hear you speak to us. Pray that we would listen with soft and humble hearts and please make us the people that you've rescued us to be. Amen. Job descriptions matter, whether it's a formal document or just a couple of ideas tucked away in the back of your heads. Having an idea of what to do each day, each week, knowing what's expected of you, what's not expected of you, makes a real difference. Uh, It gives us purpose, it gives us focus, and gives us clarity. And here's our question for this morning. Uh, What difference does being a Christian make for our days and our weeks and our years? If we've put our trust in Jesus, we're no longer held captive under the tyranny of sin, death, and the devil. Uh, Christians, we're the free and forgiven people of God. But what difference does that actually make day to day, week to week? Well, in our passage in Exodus this morning, God's Old Testament people are on the other side of the Red Sea. They're no longer held captive under the cruel reign of Pharaoh. They're free. They are the newly rescued people of God. For them, this is going to make all the difference in the world. Because in our passage this morning, God gives them a starring role in Project International Blessing. Uh, This role is more than just something that they do. It's who they are, that God's people are repurposed for mission. And the mission is international blessing. And as they wake up each day, it's the kind of thing that will give them clarity. It will give them purpose for the days ahead. Uh, And we'll see that that was their mission, but as we read the whole Bible story, uh, we'll see that their mission becomes our mission. Uh, And my prayer is this morning that we get excited and energised about the mission God has given us, to be the people he has rescued us to be. And so the first and much longer of our two points this morning is in verses 1 to 9. God rescues his people for mission. God rescues his people for mission. Uh, the Exodus story, well known and dearly loved, it's about God's people exiting Egypt. Uh, it's a story of two great rescues. And the first rescue is very well known. Uh, and we've got a snapshot of it in verse 4 of our reading. Uh, look down with me. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Uh, for the last 400 years, Egypt was all God's people knew. Eventually, during their time there, one of the pharaohs turned nasty and enslaved God's people. Uh, their task each day was very straightforward. Whatever Pharaoh says, do as he says. No questions asked. It was oppressive. It would have been violent. It would have been brutal. It was a terrible time. And it became too much. And so God's people cried out to him for help. Uh, back in Exodus 2.24. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham. This is where Project International Blessing got started. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Enough was enough. God comes to the rescue. God meets Moses at the burning bush. And in chapter 3, verse 10, he says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses says to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh? And after a bit of negotiating... Uh, Moses and his brother Aaron arrive at Pharaoh's door and declare 5 verse 1. 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I won't let Israel go. Wrong answer, Pharaoh. Over the next few chapters, Pharaoh and everyone else in Egypt, they will find out who the Lord is. Uh, The Lord sends down plague after plague in Egypt. Uh, But Pharaoh still won't let God's people go. His heart is stubborn. Uh, And so God threatens a final plague and Pharaoh still refuses. And after the death of Pharaoh's firstborn and all the other firstborns in Egypt, Pharaoh finally buckles. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 31. Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds also, and be gone, and bless me also. Finally, God's people are free. Or are they? Moments later, Moses, it's so hot out here. Hey, Moses, I'm thirsty. Moses, I'm hungry. You know what, Moses? Why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? At least we got to eat everything we wanted. But you've just brought us out to the desert to die. God's people have left Egypt. But here's the problem. Egypt haven't left them. They need to be rescued from their stubborn hearts. Like Pharaoh, their hearts are slow to trust God and believe his promises to do what he says. God has promised to take them to the land, and yet they think Moses has brought them out here to die. Their hearts are full of unbelief. And so if the first rescue was getting God's people out of Egypt, the second rescue is all about getting stubborn hearts out of the people of God. And it turns out that it's going to be a lot more difficult. And it kicks off in our verses this morning. Israel is given a mission, a mission that will give them purpose, focus and clarity. Look again with me at verse four. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God rescues his people for mission. Uh, Take again, uh, take another look with me at verse 5. If you obey my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so here's the mission laid before God's people, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, it's important that we get clear on what these terms mean. In the Old Testament, a priest would bring God to the people and bring the people before God. The priest would act as a mediator. And so as Israel obey God fully and keep his covenant, they are to take God to the world and bring the world to God. This is what international blessing was always about. But they're also to be a holy nation. To be holy means to be set apart, to be distinct, to be different from the other nations. And the two ideas are very connected uh, because you can't show the world what God is like if you look exactly like them. Uh, Israel's holiness, their set apartness, their distinctness was central, was crucial to them taking God to the world and bringing the world to God. 
The world was meant to look at Israel and say, wow, your God is great. And this is why God saved his people Israel out of Egypt. And as his people embody this mission, this is how God's going to bless the world. They will be a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so that the whole world might come to know the one true God. And if God's people embrace this mission, if they live distinct, holy, God-honouring lives, well, they'll fulfil their priestly function to bless the world and bring God to the world and bring the world to God. Everyone will come to know the Lord. But notice the condition in verse 5. If you obey me and keep my covenant. To bless the world with the knowledge of the one true God, they have to obey him. I'm not sure how many of you have seen Disney's 1998 classic, The Prince of Egypt. Great film. Consider it homework this week if you haven't. Uh, But Disney hired Richard Pratt. He was an American theologian. Uh, They brought him on so that they stuck to the script in the making of the film. Anyway, he says that they ignored all his suggestions except one. He said, look, you've got to know why Israel was saved out of Egypt. They weren't just free for the sake of being free. And so it's why in the last scene of the Prince of Egypt, if you remember, you've got Moses coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments standing before the people of God. Uh, Richard Pratt was right. Uh, Without that, the Exodus doesn't make sense. God didn't just rescue Israel for the sake of being rescued. He rescued them to bless the world, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation as they obey the beautiful life that God lays out in the law. This was their mission. And for the Israelites gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, They needed rescuing from their stubborn hearts, hearts that were slow to trust God and reluctant to live in line with his promises. They can't be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation unless they trust Moses and run in the way of God's commandments. People need to see them and say, wow, your God is great. Not, hmm, nothing to see here, you're just like us. Uh, The biggest threat to their mission is themselves. Their stubborn, unbelieving, slow-to-trust God hearts. Uh, But in a flash of faith, God's people are up for the task. Read with me verse 8. God's people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. Uh, So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Uh, God's people sign on the dotted line. Yep, we're up for it. And so God says to Moses, verse 9, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and always put their trust in you. This is a massive moment for the future of God's people. God knows what it's going to take. Uh, It was enough for the first rescue, for Moses alone to trust God. But for this second rescue, everyone needs to be in on it. Uh, Everyone needs to leave their old, stubborn Egyptian hearts behind. Everyone needs to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And it's, it's no private revelation in a cave. God is going to descend on the mountain and he's going to speak to Moses for everyone to see so that everyone trusts Moses as he lays out the beautiful life that God has rescued them for. And getting ready for this moment, it dominates the second half of our passage, uh, which is our second and more brief point in verses 10 to 15. God prepares all his people for mission. 
God prepares all his people for mission. With the arrival of any special guest, there are always preparations to be done. Have a look with me at verse 10. Uh, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Moses is to consecrate God's people, to prepare them for the Lord to descend on the mountain and speak to Moses. And they've got three days to get their laundry done. Uh, More than that, get out the yellow and black caution tape. Verse 12, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds, a long blast, may they approach the mountain. This is, this is not like having your neighbour around for a cup of tea. Uh, playing with fire is dangerous. Uh, having the holy God descend on the mountain you're standing next to is even more dangerous. It's not that they can't approach it, just not yet. Wait for the ram's horn. You can only approach God on his terms. Consecration, clothes washing, caution tape, abstinence. Uh, this is a nation-defining moment for God's people. God is descending on the mountain. Prepare for the third day. I've been struck at how sensory this whole experience is. God is coming in a dense cloud so that the people hear God speak to Moses. Don't touch this. Abstain from that. Don't approach the mountain until you hear the horn. It's a whole body experience. It's going to stay with them forever. It's the beginning of the rest of their lives. Because they will never forget the third day when God descended on the mountain and spoke to Moses. Well, they must never forget it because their mission to bless the world depends on it. And so that, verse 9, the people trust Moses always. Rather than trusting in their stubborn hearts, they need to trust Moses as he outlines the beautiful life that God calls them to live. That they, by faith, run in the way of God's commandments. And it's only then that they'll fulfill their mission to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, you don't have to read very long in this story to realise it doesn't go so well for them. But we'll see more of that in the coming weeks. This morning, see the purpose for which God has rescued his people. He's freed them from slavery to live holy and God-honouring lives so that they can bring God to the world and bring the world to know God. God has rescued his people for mission and they all are being prepared for mission. From the third day on, life was never going to be the same again. This was their purpose. It was more than a job. It was who they were rescued to be. It was their reason for existence. This was a nation-defining moment. It was their whole purpose, their whole lives. It was to give them focus, to give them clarity. And for those of us who are Christians here this morning, just like they were rescued for mission, we too have been rescued for the same mission. Uh, When the Apostle Peter writes to Christians in the first century, uh, he writes, it was our sentence for the day, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He writes, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's got Exodus 19 written all over it. Their mission has become our mission. Uh, When we turn from sin to trust in Jesus, God brought us out of darkness to be a royal priesthood, a holy people. Uh, He transformed our stubborn hearts and gave us new hearts that are free to love and obey him. And by the power of the Spirit and in the strength that God supplies, we can be the people God has rescued us to be. Uh, It's more than just a nine to five. Uh, It's something that you never retire from. Being a Christian revolutionises everything. Holiness is to ooze into every nook and cranny of our lives. Uh, No stone left unturned. Uh, When the world looks uh, at the people of God here at St Edmunds, uh, what what do they say? You know, there's there's just something in the water here. I, I can't put my finger on it. What is it that keeps you guys loving one another? That somehow disagreements and squabbles amongst you don't end the relationship? You're able to forgive one another? You love your enemies? You care for the poor, the weak and the lowly? You're honest, generous and caring? There'll always be someone to visit you in hospital? There doesn't seem to be any lying, cheating or stealing? I mean, it's a bit annoying because you're always rabbiting on about this Jesus guy but you're the kind of people I want as a neighbour. This is the kind of place I want to be to grow old. Wouldn't it be ideal if the world looked at us here at St Edmunds and said, wow, your God must be great. And through the gospel of Jesus, this is the kind of people God has rescued us to be, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And Peter tells us, so that so that we can get on with Project International Blessings, so that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is our mission, that the world will be blessed as we become God's people and declare his praises to the whole world. God has rescued us to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation, to go public with this good news. And if our family, our friends, our neighbours and colleagues are going to have a fighting chance of coming to know Jesus, it will be as we are the people that God has rescued us to be. As we live holy, God-honouring, neighbour-loving lives and make the most of every opportunity to declare his praises. And well, that's going to make every difference for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much that you called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Pray that we might be people who declare your praises. Amen.